Welcome to First Presbyterian Church of Evanston. This Sunday sermon was given by Senior Pastor, Reverend Dr. Ray Hilton. If you'd like more information about First Presbyterian Church of Evanston, please visit firstpresevanston.org. Our scripture reading today is from the Gospel according to Mark, chapter 10, verses 46 through 52, found in the New Testament section of your Red Pew Bible on page 44. Please join me in a prayer for illumination. Lord, open our hearts and minds by the power of your Holy Spirit that as the scriptures are read and your word is proclaimed, we may hear with joy what you say to us today. Amen. Mark 10, verses, verse 46. As Jesus and his disciples and a large crowd were leaving Jericho, Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, a blind beggar, was sitting by the roadside. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many sternly ordered him to be quiet, but he cried out even more loudly, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stood still and said, Call him here. And they called the blind man, saying to him, Take heart, get up, he is calling you. So, throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. Then Jesus said to him, What do you want me to do for you? The blind man said to him, my teacher, let me see again. Jesus said to him, Go, your faith has made you well. Immediately, he regained his sight and followed him on the way. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, thank God for the reading of Holy Scripture. I was thinking to myself that if I could change our theme for the season that we're in, this season of stewardship and thinking about our stewardship of time and talent and resources, open hearts, open hands, I would maybe add a third line, open eyes. And our reading today prompted me to think of it that way. How tragic it must have been in that time to be to be born with a disability, particularly to be born blind in the Greco-Roman world. And if you think about it, there, there were no clinics back then to address those kinds of maladies. There were the French educator and the inventor, Louis Braille, was not yet born to, to invent the Braille reading system for people with blindness. If you were born in that time, there were no, no schools for the blind. There were no disability um, sort of legislation being passed by the Romans or the Greeks as we do in America with the American Disability Act to protect those who have various impairments, visual impairments from discrimination and mistreatment in the world. If you were visually impaired in that time and in that period, people were quick to judge you 
And they would say that your blindness is punishment from God. Either you sinned or your parents sinned, but the fact that you have this, this visual impairment, it's a clear sign that somebody, somebody uh, broke God's law. The blind in that culture then were relegated to the margins of society. They were plunged into, into destitution, into poverty. And the best option that they had for their survival was to beg, was to beg by the roads. And uh, this was the condition of the man named Bartimaeus. You know, it's ironic that his name means son of honor. The Greek word timao means honor, timaeus, son of honor. When you look at his condition, there, there clearly was no honor to be found from his daily grind of begging. In some ways, though, his day-to-day -day situation was not very complicated. I would imagine him starting his day very early. And he would start his day the same way as he did the day before. He gets up early. He gathers up his cloak. He rushes to get to that special spot along the road where the pilgrims. And when we visited Jerusalem and we visited the Holy Land, we had the opportunity to go to Jericho. And Jericho just sits a little south and west of Jerusalem. It's just on the edge of the wilderness. And so pilgrims on their way up to Jerusalem would often stop at Jericho. Jericho was called the, uh, the City of Palms. There was a wonderful spring there where the pilgrims and travelers could rest and get refreshment. And so I can imagine this man getting up early in the morning and rushing to that spot before other mendicants get there. And... Uh, he would then take that cloak that he has with him and he would spread it out, hoping that the travelers and the pilgrims would be moved to throw a few coins his way and to help the poor. But today would be very different. Now, as you know, when you're blind, you can't see. But this man could hear. And he hears the tramping of feet. He hears the gaggle of voices. And it's not the normal street sound. It's obvious to him because he, he knows the sounds of the streets of Jericho. This was different. It sounded like a festival. And so he asked the people that he feels around him, he said, what's going on? And as I was reading this, I was imagining in my mind just how many times he had to say, excuse me, excuse me, what's going on? Because... People don't have time for somebody sitting down there in the dirt. They, they just keep walking by. And after a while, somebody finally hears him. And they said to him, it's Jesus of Nazareth. This man had never met Jesus. This man is blind. He's illiterate. But even though he can't see and he can't read, I would imagine that this man had heard droplets of conversation conversations from people over the various weeks and months, maybe years, people milling around him talking about this, this radical Jesus of Nazareth because that's how somebody in his condition would pick up the day's news. 
And so with all the strength, when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, with all the strength that he could muster, he started crying out so that his voice could be heard above the noise of the crowd. Mark calls it a large crowd. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And maybe he would pause to see if, it, if, if there was a, an effect, if somebody heard him. And he would say it again, and he would say it again, and again he would be crying out louder and louder, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And the text said the people became annoyed with his wailing. And you could just hear them saying, hey, be quiet, shut up, what's wrong with you? Somebody shut him up. But Bartimaeus was unstoppable. He cried even louder, and this time he cried with the words, Son of David, have mercy on me. One of the commentators I read just was so brilliant, his analysis of this text. He said this was the only authentic cry that Jesus heard that day because the next few days he would travel up to Jerusalem and there would be thousands of people crying out to him. But as you know, the the story on Palm Sunday, many of those cries didn't come from a place of sincerity. But this cry was sincere. And I love the way Mark paints the picture because when I read it and I put myself in the story, my imagination shows Jesus walking along the crowds and then at one point he just hears that cry and he stops. Maybe, maybe he cocks his head and he turns around trying to figure out where is that cry coming from and maybe he even said to the crowd be quiet Shh, hold on be quiet and he heard it very clearly and then he said call him here what i love about this scene is that no one is too insignificant to jesus to grab his attention and if you're familiar with the gospel stories jesus stops for the leper he stops for the woman that is hemorrhaging. He stops for little children. And now here is Jesus stopping for a blind beggar. You see, before this, the crowd overlooked him. That's why he had to beg every day. Because it's like in downtown Chicago, and, and I will raise my hand, depending on where I'm going and how quickly I need to get there, I sometimes just walk on by with that person sitting there with a white styrofoam cup. We're no different. The reason why this man had to beg every day is because the majority of the people overlooked him, they dismissed him, no one helped him. But Jesus changed all of that and used that same uncaring group of people to actually start caring for the man. And Jesus told them, bring him to me. So people from the crowd actually had to actually sort of help the man get to Jesus. And they called the blind man and said, take heart. Okay, take heart. He's heard you. Rise up. He's calling you. And we are, as a church, of course, very grateful to somebody like a Robert McConnell who took time out of his busy schedule to compose a song that we've been learning and singing for the last few weeks that is based on these words of hope. He's calling you. And then the most remarkable thing happened. We're told that the man threw off his cloak and he sprang to his feet 
and he came to Jesus. Now, on the surface, this doesn't sound like a big deal to us, but you need to understand that this cloak was a multi-purpose cloak for him. Maybe it was his only possession. This man's cloak is, is as important to him as the, as the livelihood of boats, a fisherman owning a boat. That's how, that's how important this cloak is. It's as important as the booth that the tax collector sits at. It kept him warm at night. And while begging that same cloak, he would take it and spread it out at his feet, hoping to catch a few coins here and there from a pilgrim on their way to Jerusalem or a resident of Jericho. And imagine that by throwing the cloak, he was essentially throwing away that day's collection. And I think what the blind man Timaeus is showing us is that there comes a time in life when some things are more important than a cloak or coins. And just as others abandoned their boats and their booths, their tax-collecting booths to follow Jesus, this man tossed aside his cloak and his coins to stand before the son of David. Earlier in Mark 10, if you have some time to read some of the earlier verses, Jesus met a very rich man who came to him and said, what must I do to have eternal life? And Jesus went through a list of the commandments with the man, and the man said, yep, got that, yep, got that, yep, did that. Well, then you have only one more thing to do, Jesus said. Sell all that you have, give it to the poor, and come follow me. And the Greek word there suggests that there was gloom. Some translations say the man was shocked, but what it means is like a, a dark cloud came over the man, and he was very sad. And he could not bring himself to abandon his wealth, and he walked away. But not so with this blind man. He threw his cloak and his coins away, and he sprang up and went to Jesus. It reminds us of that passage in Hebrews that says we should lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily entangles us and run with patience the race that is set before us. It reminds us of the words of Jesus in Matthew where he says, no one can serve two masters. You'll either hate one and love the other, or you will, you'll be devoted to one and you'll despise the other, but you can't serve God going in two different directions, God or mammon. You've got to make a choice. And then in the manner that we know Jesus loves to do, Jesus dignifies this nobody. His name is Honor. And Jesus honored him by asking him the question, what do you want me to do for you? Now, most of us would say, come on, Jesus. Blind, you called him. Why are you asking him? What do you want me to do for you? But I think what Jesus is doing in asking that question is to get this man to focus on what is really the greatest need in his life. You know, it's funny when you read Mark 10 that before we get to that story, there is another story told of these two disciples who came to Jesus, James and John. And they said, Jesus, I want to ask you a question. And Jesus asked them the same question. What do you want me to do for you? And you know what their response was? They said, Lord, we want you to elevate us. We want you to promote us. We want to have one on your right and one on your left. We want those positions so that when people pass by, we can look down on them and they will look up on us. Lord, we want to be given positions that everyone 
would, would, would die for. What do you want me to do for you? It's one of the most important questions that you and I are ever called upon to answer. It's a question that God often asks us. And I have to confess that many times when I've brought myself before God, I often ask for the wrong thing. The wrong thing. But this man didn't equivocate. He immediately says that I may see again, that I may regain my sight. And you'll notice that this man's answer is very different from James and John. He asks not to be seen. He says, Lord, I just want to see. Lord, I'm not looking for a position of honor. I just want my vision back. I don't want to be superior to ordinary people. Lord, I just want to be an ordinary person. I don't want to rule over other people. I just want to live a normal life. I just want to see, teacher. Please, can you help me? That's all I want. And Jesus says these beautiful words to him. Go. Your faith has made you well, whole, saved. I mean, all of that is wrapped up in that word. And immediately we're told he regained his sight. And don't miss that last clause. And followed him on the way. Now, if you have your Bibles open, which some of you may, and you look at chapter 11, you look where Jesus is going now. He's not going to a palace. He's not going on vacation. He's going up to Jerusalem. And he told them again earlier in Mark 10 that when I get there, I'm going to be rejected. I'm going to be arrested. I'm going to be spat upon. I'm going to be crucified. And on the third day, I'll rise again. So I'm going up to Jerusalem. And Bartimaeus doesn't run back to look for his coins. He doesn't go back to gather his cloak. He just wants to be on the way. On the way. That's a beautiful way of describing discipleship. Jesus' followers are people who are on the way with Jesus. Do you know where you're going, Bartimaeus? I don't know. I'm just going where he's going. This man opened my eyes so that I could see. Now, before we move away and we wrap up our time in the Word this morning, there's another Jericho story that I want to put on the table with you. It doesn't occur in Mark. It occurs in Luke. If you have your Bibles with you or you want to use a pew Bible, if you can turn to, turn to Luke chapter 19, verses 1 through 10. Jericho is a place that Jesus often visited. And the text is there for you on the screen. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through it. And a man was there named Zacchaeus. So you've got Timaeus. You've got Zacchaeus. Timaeus lives where? Mostly on the street. Occupation, begging. Zacchaeus where? He has a nice house. He has a good job. He's the chief tax collector. And notice what it says. And he was rich, it says in verse 2. But notice something else. He was trying to see who Jesus was. 
You see that? That's what it says in verse 3. He was trying to see who Jesus was, but Zacchaeus had a problem. He couldn't really see because he was a short man. And so what does he do? Verse 4, he ran ahead and he climbed a sycamore tree to see Jesus. So I, I, I'm focusing on those words, see. He wants to see Jesus. Now, it's a different word. When, when Bartimaeus says, Lord, I want to see, I want to regain my sight, blind, different word. This word is a word that it's more observation. I just want to check out this guy. I've been hearing a lot about him. I just want to see what he's all about. He's an observer. So he climbs the tree to see him, but Jesus came to the place. Jesus looked up, and Jesus called him by name. The other story, you have the blind man calling to Jesus. Jesus goes, to, he comes to Jesus. In this story, Zacchaeus isn't even calling for Jesus, but Jesus comes to him. Hurry, come down. I must stay at your house today. So he hurried down and he was happy to welcome him. And of course, the crowd, they know this guy Zacchaeus. He has a reputation. And so they began to mumble and grumble. He's gone to be the guest of one who is a sinner. And that's how they saw tax collectors back, day, back, back in that day. It was, a, it was, an, it was a, a, a terrible job to have. You were basically an enemy of Israel if you are a tax collector for the Roman authorities. But Zacchaeus stood there, taking all that criticism, and he said, Look, Lord, half of my possessions I give to the poor. Now, what was he doing before Jesus? The assumption is it was all about him. But with this encounter, Jesus goes to his house that day, Something happened not only in Zacchaeus' house, but in Zacchaeus' life, his heart, his mind, his spirit. And after lunch, he said, Lord, I am going to give half of my possessions. I'll give it to the poor. And the people that I have defrauded, the people that I have robbed, I'm going to pay them back four times. And notice what Jesus says to him. Today, salvation has come to your house, to this house. And this is for the benefit of the crowds, he says, because this man, he is also a son of Abraham. The poor man is a son of Abraham. The rich man is a son of Abraham. But what I want you to see this morning, my brothers and sisters, is that many of us suffer from a kind of blindness that may not be physical like Bartimaeus. That blindness may be the kind of blindness that Zacchaeus has, where we just can't see we're defrauding we're keeping back we're operating in a way that is not pleasing to the lord and we need our eyes to be open so that we can see jesus makes it very clear that the reason why i came is to seek and to save the lost he saved Bartimaeus. He saved the Zacchaeus. And he wants to do the same for us.
This business of the opening of the eyes is a critical thing. It's whether or not we're seeing. What are we seeing? When your eyes are fully opened, you see what's important. When your eyes are fully opened, you see who is important. I think that's what's happening here in our reading this morning. What I love about the Zacchaeus and the Bartimaeus story is that after they were healed, after their eyes were opened, after they were made whole, both of these men acted. They moved. They didn't just stay where they were. Bartimaeus said, I'm going to follow you, Lord, all the way up to Jerusalem. Zacchaeus said, Lord, I'm going to give back. My eyes are open. I've been robbing people. I'm going to give back. And that's what Jesus wants to do for us today. Spiritual blindness, physical blindness, Jesus is the answer. Now, one of the reasons why we talk about giving in the church is because we believe that we are forever indebted to Christ. I don't think anyone here could truly, honestly say, I saved myself. There's no one here who could honestly say, well, look, pastor, I opened my eyes. No, we all have the same song. I once was lost in sin. Jesus rescued me. Jesus opened my eyes. Jesus made me whole. And the response always then for all of us is to follow, to rise up and to follow Jesus as our disciples. So, this morning is no exception. And we're not going to make a big deal about this, seriously, because God is our source, and he works through every one of us. But if your eyes have been opened, and if you honestly believe that you owe your vision to God, you owe your purpose to God, you owe your life to God, then we're going to ask you of your own free will, to join us in supporting the mission and the vision and the direction of our church so that the eyes of others might be opened. We've provided you with a pledge card. And we would invite you this morning to use that card. Take a moment this morning. Fill it out. Put a number on it. I'm going to ask you, and, and listen, I'm going to get in trouble for saying this, saying this, but this is the year I'm going to ask you not to do a faith pledge. Just, just step out in faith and put a number down. Check that box. Make an actual pledge. And then take action. In a moment in the service, you'll have an opportunity to come forward and just put your card in one of these, one of these baskets and then return to your seat. Now, that's not the sum total of the action that we want, but it's one of the ways that we respond in faith, that Jesus has opened our eyes and we give in that day. So I want to ask you to take out that pledge card if you haven't filled it out already. And like Bartimaeus and like Zacchaeus, respond. For those of you online, I would ask you to do the same thing. There's a link in the chat right now that you can click and you can, by electronic means, participate. If you believe that God has done so much for you, you give out of that well overflowing with gratitude. And then some of us may still want to mail the card in and all of that works. But that's it. That's our Commitment Sunday. It's in response 
to the God who opened our eyes so that we can see. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and God's people say, Amen.